With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, everybody, into the first episode of the 2020 Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. Uh, I will be your host, Brian Stone. I cover the Georgia Southern Eagles for underdogdynasty.com. Uh, I am joined here and will be throughout the entire season by Matt Miguez, the Louisiana writer for Underdog Dynasty. Matt, say hello to the folks at home. Sunbelt Nation, how y'all doing? Like I said, Matt Miguez here. Uh, I am the Louisiana Underdog Dynasty writer, and this will be my second season covering the Cajuns for Underdog Dynasty. Absolutely. So today, uh, which is going to you know echo the format of this show for the time being, we are going to start off with individual team previews for the upcoming season. Uh, as of today, we will be starting at the top. So your Sun Belt Conference champion Appalachian State will be the first team on the docket. Uh, but just a little bit of house cleaning here before we kind of get into that. Uh, the Sun Belt today announced that they were pushing all other fall sports except for football back to a September 3rd start date, which I believe would put you right at Labor Day weekend. So, Matt, what do you think this could potentially mean, if anything, for football this coming season? You know, I think it shows, Brian, that the Sun Belt is willing to adjust schedules in order to make the season happen. Um, clearly, you know, pushing fall sports back to September 3rd, like you said, has no effect on football because the first Sunbelt team to play a game isn't until September the 3rd. So there's really no direct correlation to football, but showing that you're willing to push back, you know, soccer, volleyball, and whatever other fall sports fall into that statement shows that if they have to, they're willing to push football back as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly you, the Sun Belt as a conference is going to do whatever it takes to at least, at the very least, get a conference-only schedule in. Uh, pushing it back, you know, kind of like you said, has has no really effect on the sport of football at this point. Uh but, you know, it is something to keep an eye on moving forward just to see if the Sun Belt decides to make any adjustments with the upcoming schedule, especially with some of these Power Five conferences already moving to a conference-only slate. So uh, just something to keep your eyes on, folks, as, as we kind of get into this season and start moving along. Um, I guess where to start, you know, uh, we're, we're doing team previews. Like I said, off the top, Appalachian State will be our first team uh, going into the 2020 previews. Matt, I'm going to start off by saying something really controversial, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. They were a good football team last year. They were a great football team last year. Um, and, you know, that, that pains me to say. 
um, because, you know, over the last couple of years, Louisiana and App have kind of developed a rivalry. Um, but no, I mean, you got to give credit where credit to do. And App State had a phenomenal season last year. Yeah, it was one of those types of seasons where it was just years of recruiting all kind of clicked into place. Uh, their their schedule outside the conference aligned just at the correct time. They ended up playing two. I don't I don't want to say weaker power five schools, but, you know, South Carolina and North Carolina are not uh, world beaters in the power five ranks by any stretch of the imagination. But App State was able to come away with an 11 uh, or a 13 and one record, rather uh, defeating your Cajuns in the Sunbelt Championship game and then defeating UAB in the New Orleans Bowl as per the usual uh, bowl seating with the winner of the uh, Sunbelt Conference. But uh, just off the top, I do have to mention, I said this last year when doing the uh, Fun in the Sun podcast with our App State writer at the time, if App beats Georgia Southern and goes a clean 14-0, or 13-0 rather, Matt, what do you think the chances are that they end up supplanting Memphis in that Cotton Bowl game in December? 100%. 100%. Had they finished the regular season with an undefeated schedule, they probably would have finished probably number 17, maybe number 16 in the country. Um, and I, I think at that point, they're the top ranked G5 team in the country, which gets that New Year's six spot. So I think no question they would have been in the Cotton Bowl last year. I know that uh, going into last year, Memphis was kind of the uh, the fun underdog team, so to speak, uh, that everyone who was not a fan of them liked to watch. I mean, clearly they always have very explosive weapons like, you know, Antonio Gibson was their, their big Swiss Army knife last year. But I totally agree. If App pulls off that win on Halloween against my Georgia Southern Eagles, I fully believe that they're playing Penn State uh, on December 28th. But unfortunately, that did not happen. However, that season, uh, their season was nothing to scoff at by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Just looking through their schedule, you know, what impressed you most about this team last year and kind of how they were able to put it together with a coach that was essentially one and done? You know, I think the thing that impressed me the most was just their consistency. Um, It seemed like just game in and game out, they never really seemed to waver a whole lot. They stuck to the game plan. You know, they they executed the game plan well, you know, just week in and week out. And even the games that, you know, got them a little nervous, you know, the Wednesday night game in in Lafayette, a lot of people don't remember, but until – two minutes to go was a three-point game or yeah you know look at looking at the bowl game they were they were down 14 nothing to to uab in the bowl game so just moments like that able to keep their composure and stay consistent to their game plan was probably the most impressive thing for me i think the most impressive thing for me kind of echoes along your lines but i think the most impressive thing was their ability to stay consistent under a guy who had never been a real head coach at the FBS level and also just keeping that high level of play from carried over from the Satterfield era. Uh, Satterfield, you know, obviously had moved on to Louisville last season, but uh, Drinkwitz, I mean, outside of, like I said, one in-conference loss, no hiccups the entire season. You know, we, we touched on it. Uh, 
you know, ran through the entire Sunbelt Conference kind of uh, unscathed, you know, outside of just that one game. But, you know, beating two group or uh, power five teams, rather, uh, it was it was an impressive season from top to bottom for them. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do this season with their third head coach in three seasons. Yeah, especially a guy like Sean Clark with, again, like you said, no head coaching experience. Well, and and that's something we're going to kind of dive into as we as we get in here. I, I guess the the most important thing to do is to kind of start at the top. You know, uh, Aliyah Drinkwitz, uh, their former head coach, now moved on to the University of Missouri to coach uh, in the SEC. Uh, Sean Clark, I believe, was the interim when Drinkwitz had announced he moved on. I believe Sean Clark coached the bowl game and was their offensive line coach. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like, and I don't know whether it's a talent thing or just their AD's ability to kind of scout these guys. Do you think, do you feel like at any point that these, this kind of run of successful hiring of head coaches is going to come to an end anytime soon? I mean, it's, it's the phrase, all good things come to an end. I mean, really and truly, I think at some point it's going to end. But if if you look at at their stretch of new coaches, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, You know, the one thing I'll say as uh, as a fan of a team that hired its interim coach, uh, who, you know, coached a handful of games at the end of kind of what was for us a lost season, the, the real danger comes in year one when you have a team like Clark has this year where this team could be, I, I mean, they've lost a couple key pieces here and there, but they could be almost as good as last year's team, sans, you know, a few players. I think the danger comes in year two when some of these guys like, you know, Zach Thomas have moved on. What are the expectations like in year two? Say he's super successful this year. They win double-digit games. They go to another bowl game. They win that. Season, season two, he's kind of going in, you know, for the first time without the the real buoy of having these previous players who had really dominated the conference and, and won, you know, Power 5 games too. I think the danger that we're going to look at with him from a coaching perspective is in are the expectations in year two too high, but that's still a year off. So we still have some time to adjust for that. Yeah. And, you know, like, like you said, I think the expectations will be too high, but at the same time, I think as a fan base, you have to realize that this first year almost kind of won't count because of just the caliber of players that he has returning in his arsenal. I think his second year, if there is one, because clearly, as as you were showing with Drinkwitz, after one year of success, he could be gone. Um, well, I, I think the I think the thing with Drinkwitz was, you know, it, you make an outside hire like that. Of course, if if a team from a conference like the SEC is going to come calling, you're going to if your Drinkwitz kind of see app as that springboard job to, to land a head coaching gig elsewhere. But I mean, to me, it seems like Clark is good for a couple years unless there's just, unless he just kills it this year as a coach and there's just an offer too good to turn down going into next season. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's an app state alum. He's from, from what I've, from the guys I've spoken with at app state, he's, you know, he's black and gold through and through. So, 
you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe no matter the success, maybe he stays a couple years and see how things pan out in uh, in Boone. Absolutely. So, so as we kind of roll in here, uh, there is something that I did want to mention off the top. Uh, we wanted to kind of clean up the end of last season for App. There weren't enough positive things to say about how they you know, competed last year. Uh, but they do lose a couple of playmakers, some important ones to the NFL draft. Uh, Darrington Evans gets drafted by the Tennessee Titans to back up uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, who was the 2019 Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year, uh, gets drafted by Cincinnati. So moving into this season, uh, off the top, it's going to be difficult to discuss uh, anything outside of conference play for App State or for any of these Sunbelt teams moving forward until we have a clearer idea of what their their uh, schedules are going to look like. So, for example, you know, week three, App was supposed to take a trip to Wisconsin on September 19th, but uh, the Big Ten has announced that they're moving to a conference-only slate. So, at this point, we don't really know outside of conference play what their schedule is going to look like but how do you feel about their ability to repeat as conference champs for a third straight season i think they have obviously they have the ability to to repeat when you when you bring back the sunbelt uh offensive player of the year and zach thomas at quarterback um you know there, there's no question that you have the the chance to to repeat but I, and you know this might sound biased coming from the Louisiana writer. There's a team down south that's going to be breathing down their neck this year. Yeah, Georgia Southern. I agree. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that, that's who I meant. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to say that. But no, I don't blame uh, you. Just, just going into uh, this season, you know, kind of like you mentioned, uh, this this team offensively is going to run through Zach Thomas. Uh, the quarterback, he does return some strong weapons on the outside. He does have receivers Corey Sutton and Thomas Hennigan returning uh, for the 2020 season. And uh, according to Athlon Sports, uh, App State's offensive line grades out as one of the top two in the entire conference. So a lot to build on here. Uh, offensively, like I mentioned, they do lose Darrington Evans. Do you believe that they'll be able to cobble enough together running the football to make up for his loss in the draft? Absolutely. Um, you know, Datrit Harrington, Marcus Williams were both two guys that they used in their in their offense to give to give Evans kind of a break sometimes. But one guy that you're going to have to look out for in App State's offense is Cameron Peoples. He was a he was a true freshman last year, missed most of the year due to injury. Um, Phil Steele has him as one of the most underrated players in the conference. Cameron yeah. Peoples is going to be a household name in the Sun Belt either this year or next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I kind of touched on this, but uh, Corey Sutton and Hennigan, uh, Thomas Hennigan, their receivers are nothing to scoff at, obviously. Not at all. No, uh, and, and Zach Thomas finds ways to get them the ball well. Uh, I, I will say I, I do wonder if their offense is going to be 
uh, tweaked at all because from what I, I understood last year, App State kind of favored a short passing game and running the football. So you got to wonder if uh, Clark and this new team uh, or this new coaching staff rather is going to let Thomas maybe sit back in the pocket a little bit and air it out a little more than he did last season. Yeah, I, I think I think with the personnel that you have, I think you kind of have to go maybe a little bit more of a spread, maybe even a pro style offense. You know, when you, we're talking about Zach Thomas, I do want to correct myself. He was not the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year last year. It was two years ago, his sophomore season. Uh, Darrington Evans was the Sun Belt Player Offensive Player of the Year last year. Well, either way, it was an App State player, so you weren't right, you weren't right. too far off either way. Um, so I, I guess I, you know, ra- kind of wrapping up uh, discussion on the offensive side of the ball here. Where do you think Thomas slates in regarding as a as a quarterback in the conference? Would you say he's a top two, top three guy, or would you say that he's head and shoulders the best quarterback in the conference? You know, I'll, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Zach Thomas is a great quarterback. I mean, he was 15th in the country in passing yards last year. Some belt player of the year two years ago, like I said. You know, there, there's his his numbers speak for themselves. But I am going to say that, in my opinion, I think Zach Thomas is slightly overrated. Wow. <laughs> um, I now that's not going. That's not saying that he isn't a top tier quarterback in the conference because he is. Um, you know, I think. I think if you look at the, in, in my opinion, the three best quarterbacks, the four best quarterbacks in the conference coming into this season are Thomas, Levi Lewis, Shy Wirtz at Georgia Southern. And then, uh, although he didn't play hardly all last year, Lane Hatcher at Arkansas State. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alabama transfer. I mean, he's he's going to be legendary in the Sun Belt, in my opinion. And, and and I didn't mean to put you on the spot or anything along those lines, but uh, I, I do agree to an extent about the overrated a little bit. I think the interesting hypothetical that you always have when you have a quarterback who is on a team as loaded as app has been the last, you know, year or so, or two years, rather, if you took him and stuck him on a middling team in the conference. So let's say you took Zach Thomas and stuck him on coastal Carolina or, or, you know, Louisiana Monroe, do you think he puts up the same kind of production on a team that doesn't have a top two offensive line, two capable receivers on the outside, a Sun Belt, you know, offensive player of the year beside him in Darrington Evans? Do you think that he kind of puts out the same level of production? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, I mean, y- you said it point blank. Without that offensive line, I mean, dude, there there are multiple occasions – you know, I, I speak from the game against Louisiana. There were multiple occasions where he had three, four seconds to get the ball out, and we had two of the best edge rushers in the conference last year. So, I mean, you you take away that strength of an offensive line, and he might have a second and a half to two seconds to get the ball out. That forces more mistakes, more turnovers, shorter passes. No, he, he doesn't put up the same numbers without his offensive line. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, we kind of uh, last year when we were me and the uh, App State writer were doing the Fun in the Sun podcast, we kind of ran what we came to know as the uh, South Alabama test, which is take this great Sun Belt player who's on a really good team and stick him on South Alabama and see what level. God, of- that's horrible. <laughs> God, well, that's it- horrible. 
And and it's nothing. It's clearly nothing against South Alabama, but they're. I mean, it's not a stretch to say they're not the same level of of competitor that App is. But you know, I, I think that's that's almost like the true test of 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 a player is. You know, it's easy to look great when there's great players surrounding you, but right. it's it's a lot harder to keep that same level of production up when you're surrounded by guys who, to be frank, kind of unwanted by the other teams uh, in the area in their conference. So looking at their current slate of conference games this year, what chance do you give them of going undefeated in the conference again? And, and let me preface this by kind of reading these games off as they were supposed to be in order. Uh, they were supposed to open the, the season or open the conference play with you guys, uh, Louisiana on October 7th, then face off at Georgia Southern, Arkansas State, ULM, Texas State, Georgia State, Coastal, and Troy. So what chances with that slate do you feel that they have of going undefeated in the conference once again, or going undefeated in the conference for the first time in a little bit? You're going to love this. 87.5%. That's a very specific number. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to explain why. There are eight conference games on their schedule. They're going to win seven of them. <laughs> Let me guess which game you think they're not going to win. In the regular season, I'll tell you what game they're not going to win. They're not going to beat you guys. You think so? You guys, Georgia Southern has been App State's kryptonite for yes. a we've while. Been the, we've been the, well, going back to, you know, I, I think it was, it was either 2017, I believe. I think it was 2017 when we were an absolute joke of a team. And that's not any hot take to say we were an absolute joke under Tyson Summers. Now, the last few years, yes, we've absolutely been a thorn in their side. And there's no doubting that because overall, when you look at the standings at the end of the season, we're not as good as they are. Like, we're not the ones that have been playing in the Sun Belt title games. So I, I, I do say, you know, I give us a, a better chance of beating them because it is at home and typically we play better at home. But I'm going to be totally honest with you. Going into last season's game at App, we hadn't won there since 2007, and I gave us almost no chance to win that game. So I have no idea if they're going to come out angry when when they see us on the schedule or what. But, I mean, I, I'm not penciling us in, you know, obviously for a free win by any stretch of the imagination. You see, I, I would I would love to say that we're we're going to be the team to beat them. And, you know, I think that this is this is going to be our best shot to beat them since App joined the conference, um, you know, we're 0 and, 0 and 8, 0 and 10, something like that against App since they've joined the Sun Belt. We haven't beaten them yet. Uh, so I would, I would love to say that we're going to be the team to, to give them that one conference loss. But I just, I would rather put money on a rivalry game like you guys in App State with Georgia Southern over a close you know, winner host the conference championship game type of matchup between Louisiana and App. Right. I do just want to kind of transition a little bit to the defensive side of the ball for App State. Obviously, like I mentioned earlier, they do lose uh, Davis Gaither, who was the defensive player of the year for the Sun Belt last year. However, they do return some some solid players on the defensive side of the ball. Last Demetrius- year, they held... Taylor, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Demetrius <laughs> Taylor. 
Yeah, he's 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 a monster. Uh, last season, App held offenses to just twenty points a game average, uh, which in college football is fantastic. There's not much Absolutely. more you can ask for. But Demetrius Taylor, like you mentioned on the defensive line, uh, Demarco Jackson, their linebacker, and Sean Jolly looks to be their top corner. Now, when you look at the defensive side of the ball and the loss of Davis Gaither, he's he was obviously the best defensive player in the conference last year. How much do you think this affects the outlook of their defense for the next year? I, I think it, I think it's a big blow because I mean, obviously, like you said, he was the defensive player of the year last year. Anytime you have have a linebacker with just the sheer talent that Akeem Davis Gaither had, you know that that's obviously. A crushing blow to your defense but you know like you like you said talking about DeMarco Jackson and uh Keyshawn Brown and Trey Cobb Jr. you know I think that those are those are adequate replacements to uh to ADG and you know I, I think App State defensively would be just fine so App State is in Davis Gaither is losing out this was his defensive player of the year campaign 101 tack total tackles, five sacks, and an interception. Uh, as a guy that was kind of rangy and could do a number of different things, but you know, we'll have to see what they kind of put together defensively. But I do anticipate them being one of the best defenses in the conference once again. Um, you know, kind of pivoting off of this. Let me ask you this, and I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot again, but I do want to ask you this question. If it does come down to Louisiana and App as the two top teams in the conference again next year, or this coming season rather, what would it take for Louisiana to finally overcome App? What is it in your mind that App does so well over the past couple years, and what would you guys need to tweak in order to have a, kind of a chance to beat them? You got to put pressure on Zach Thomas. You know, I, I go back to talking about how he had, you know, three, four seconds to throw the football. I mean, that gives your receivers time to get 30 yards down the field. So, yeah, yeah I, I think getting getting pressure on Zach Thomas, penetrating that offensive line, maybe forcing that offensive line into some costly penalties. You know, um, team teams like App State, man, you, you just got to get a little lucky. Uh Luck, luck can bring you a long way in games like that. So, like I said, I think putting pressure on the quarterback, getting in his, getting in his face, getting in his head, and just being lucky is is definitely you know on the on the checklist for things we would need to do. Yeah, and, and that was a big part of uh, App State's only loss last year to us. Uh, I did feel like we caught a lot of really lucky breaks between. Uh, did. The, the terrible weather that they had to play in, uh, the style of play for that type of like cold, windy, disgusting like type of weather really benefited us. Uh, so, you know, it was a combination of factors. But, you know, it, and and, you know, if you listen to me say it and didn't check the final score, you wouldn't know that that was a three point game. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that game yep. was a lot closer than I'm making it seem to be, but it was, you know, just a field goal difference. And that's how close they were to being, you know, a 14 or a 13 no team 
potentially playing in in you know like a cotton bowl situation against a big power five school like penn state but so when it when it's all said and done going into this season where do you see app state slotting in in the divisional standings do you see them going to the sunbelt championship game representing the east for a third straight year absolutely and you know i i I hate to to pound on georgia southern considering y'all are in the east as well but there is a thick gap between app state and every other team in the east in my opinion so yeah I, i think i think there's no question that unless app state gets hit with some grueling injury I think that they're in the conference championship game again, no question. Yeah, uh, the way that I see it is is about the same. Now, we were thinking about this kind of before we started recording. When, if the Sun Belt is forced to go to conference only, and let's say App has to pick up a few more conference games, so... You know, for example, you knock out the game that's the opener against Morgan State, uh, and and you drop the Wake Forest game, which would really be a tragedy because Wake Forest looks like another winnable Power Five game, yeah. and it's it's close. Everyone would from App hypothetically, if they had a full plethora of fans in the stands, would be able to travel to Winston Salem to see them play, but. You know their other their fourth out of conference game was Massachusetts, who's t- you know typically not a very good football program. But if they were to have to move to a conference only slate, do you see that kind of giving them any sort of trouble or you know diverting them in any way at all? You know, I think it does a little bit because if you go to a conference only schedule, I think the conference, what they would try to do is they would try to revamp the schedule to give them more than eight games. Cause yeah. you know, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, the one conference team that app doesn't play this year. Cause Louisiana's on here, Georgia, Southern Arkansas state, Monroe, Texas state, they don't play South. That's who it is. They do not play South yeah. Alabama this year. So you know, I yeah. think I think the conference would try to try to up the schedule to where everybody plays everybody, and yeah. you know that that's just that's just more rivalry games. And you know, you know as well as I do, the rivalry games you can never trust the the line or you know whatever Vegas says. You can throw all that out the window in a rivalry game. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it would just make things definitely more interesting and as, as a whole, yeah, I think it would, it would kind of throw a wrench in their plans. And and it's a little bit of a tragedy too, that they had to drop that Wisconsin game, because if you, if you really think about it, that could be, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't have forecasted them to beat Wisconsin in Madison, but they got a shot. Though. It, yeah. It would be, almost be one of those perfect storm situations where it's like, the year after Jonathan Taylor leaves for the draft, so he's like the most productive Badger running back in in like the last twenty or so years. You know, you catch them. I, I don't want to say rebuilding, but I mean that's kind of what they're doing. Is like every time they have to cycle out another one of those backs, like you kind of have that moment where you can kind of catch them. But it, it's going to be a shame if if they end up having to go to a conference only schedule because, like I said, you know game. It, 
at, at this point, looking at their schedule, in my opinion, I see one loss and it would have been to Wisconsin, but they're not keeping that game anymore. So, but that, you know, one final question to kind of close this out, the Zach Thomas era uh, is kind of, is going to be ending this season this is sort of the the wrap up of the Satterfield era teams and the 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 teams that he kind of constructed that made them perennial contenders year in and year out in the conference. Do you feel like this is kind of the final I guess ride for these teams and what I mean by that is do you feel like this team is just going to keep chugging along next year or do you think there is going to be an adjustment period going from the players they have now and kind of having to start from scratch with a guy who will only be coaching his second season. Big adjustment period. And I'm going I'm to I'm give you a perfect example. Louisiana back in 2011 when Mark Hudspeth walked in. He came in with, I think it was two years of recruiting classes because they'd already started recruiting up to 2013 at this point. Uh, his first three years, we win three straight New Orleans Bulls. And then his fourth year, we win one as well. But then, you know, after those first four years, that fifth season was truly the first year where it was all his team. Yeah. And we went four and eight. And and that happens a lot. Uh, when, when you have these teams in the group of five where these guys, these coaches, you know, go on to greener pastures and you have someone slide in behind them, unless they're an absolute train wreck, typically they can kind of keep whatever had been going on previously going. Uh, but that first year when it's, it's, it's brand new, it's all of your guys is, is really a huge adjustment period. And it really tells a lot about how quickly a coach is going to catch on and, and make that adjustment to try to get back to the level that they had previously been at. I'll say this, next year, the season after this one for App State will prove how good of a recruiter Eli Drinkwitz is. That's that's going to be a tough one. <laughs> you know, he was there for, I, I think we said, what, 13 games last year? Yep. So it's really... Yeah, he didn't even I, coach the bowl game, so 13 games. I mean, it's it's one calendar year, if that. I don't even, you know, we don't even know if he made it th- 365 full days before moving on. So, right. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of an adjustment. I do believe, as well as you, if Sean Clark is worth his salt uh, as a coach, and you know, App is gonna keep the good times rolling, so to speak. I do think that they. Uh, continue their impressive run. I think they probably do end up winning the Sun Belt once again. I think at the very least, they will make the Sun Belt title game. Um, just because, you know, in the East, every other team kind of has those holes and, and App seems like one of those bulletproof teams almost. So, uh, well, Matt, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up our first episode of the, uh, the Sun Belt preview series this year? I'm going to say this, it's been a lot of fun just, you know, night one, but it's going to get better as the weeks go on. And I'm super excited for next week. Absolutely. So as you, as you people may have guessed, Matt will dig deep into the Raging Cajuns preview for 2020. He will 
illuminate me on what to expect uh, from his squad next week as we move through these teams. But uh, signing off, this has been Brian Stone, Matt Miguez. Matt, one final thing. Tell the folks where to find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Miguez, Matt, M-I-G-U-E-Z-M-A-T-T. And I can be found on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Uh, both of our team previews will, you know, come in written form once we get a little closer to the season. But next week, Louisiana Raging Cajuns be there. Signing off, folks. This has been the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast.